Hey girl, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze! I am your host, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because we wouldn't pretend on y'all. Because you are our friends. Because nothing makes sense. It's Pisces season. Oh, it is Pisces season. Let's introduce ourselves before we head down some sort of tangent. <laughs> before we Pisces season yeah, our way exactly. into oblivion. Yeah. Uh, I am Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a film producer, and I am also an astrologer. And a healer. And a healer. And a, a husband. A queeler. No. A queer. A queer. A queer healer. No, that's, <laughs> we tried to make that happen, and nobody wants to be a queeler. No, I don't. Uh, and yes, I am a husband to you, and you are? I am Brandon Alter. I am also a healer and a tarot reader and an astrologer and a teacher and a writer and just an all-around weirdo, mystic, shamanic explorer. Queeler! <laughs> Stop <laughs> screaming queeler at me. I feel sorry. very attacked. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scream at you. Thank you. Queeler! Oh, my goddess. Okay. Um... Well, anyhow, babe, how should we just dive right in? Yeah. Because we have an amazing spirit talk we want to get you all to. We had Austin Young here in the spirit room, and he is... Well, he is an Aries with Sagittarius rising and a Capricorn moon, but he has a stellium in Pisces and he just like drips that mystical, spiritual, soupy magic. And he really kind of blew my mind with with some of his insights. So we just want to get to that spirit talk. Yes, we do. But before we do, let's talk about ourselves, (laughs) because we also have a lot of Aries planets. (laughs) Well, and something that uh, Austin uh, was talking to us about before we started recording, actually, was how much he really appreciated us having these check-ins, because that it was interesting to have these two people in a relationship sort of having these vulnerable check-ins with each other, but doing it in front of an audience. Yeah. So how are you, my love? How am I? That is a really good question because it really is changing a lot (laughs) all the time. Uh, It's like every couple hours, it's like, am I in fear or am I in faith? And it just keeps waffling. You know, there's so much transition and transformation that's happening for us. And sometimes I'm totally in complete acceptance and I'm like, spirit, show me and I trust. And then there's other times where I'm just like, get me out of here. Uh, you know, it's Pisces season. So as somebody who doesn't drink and no longer smokes, I'm like looking for whatever it is to like, get me outside of myself and ice cream just like doesn't really do it. So <laughs> as try as, you as may. try as I might, you finish that ice cream and you're right back with yourself. So I've really just been like leaning into meditation, being out in nature, just like in the backyard. I've been sitting with my crystal bowl, playing it a lot. Well, since we recorded this, we or since we recorded our last episode, we went to the Tucson Gem Show. Oh my and gosh, you got we're a back. crystal bowl. I got a crystal singing bowl, everybody. It's incredible. <laughs> I am so I mean, I'm obsessed with crystal singing bowls. I've been going to sound baths basically weekly for like six years, and this bowl called out to me and it's time. And so now I'm learning how to facilitate this incredible healing that's available through these vibrations. But essentially my check-in is just that. You know, self-care is something that continues to evolve, and I have been working very hard recently, putting in a lot of hours and neglecting myself a bit, and it just kind of reached a breaking point in the middle of the week, which I'm really grateful for, that I reached that breaking point because I cleared a day on my schedule next week, and I'm going to drive out to the desert. I scheduled a massage. I just was like, okay, you have to schedule self-care. Like it doesn't just happen. You don't just like stumble into a day of like healing. You have to really take responsibility for it. So I'm grateful for that little journey. And honestly, I'm just like very invigorated and inspired by everything that we're doing here with this podcast. Like it's very inspiring for me to be getting the class ready and to be thinking just creatively about the tarot and kind of up-leveling my own understanding, getting ready to teach it. I feel like my readings have kind of been on fire recently. Maybe it's Pisces season. I think it's just like everything spiritual that I lean into just really like flickers and glimmers 
and like just fully absorbs me. So, and that's interesting when you think about Pisces, right? It's like, if you're in fear, then the fear absorbs you. And if you're in faith then the faith absorbs you like Pisces is just like such an absorbing season. And so I'm just learning how to put myself in an ocean of nourishment and not an ocean of fear. Mm, I love that. You're inspiring, babe. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like trying to receive that. You know, part of working the 12 You're steps. You're inspiring. Thank babe. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I'll I'll sit with that and see how that how I'll open up to it. It's so crazy, you know, the fourth step, the way that I'm working it is like going through all my resentments and so we have been working that step for a while. We've been very thorough. And I've been thinking about the steps like numerologically, right? Like the fourth step, four is your foundation. So I'm like, well, you don't want to rush this. This is the foundation. Um, I've also been thinking about the 12 steps as like the signs of the zodiac. Oh, that's interesting. It's yeah. It's been fascinating to explore that. Hey, man. Uh, and my sober coach was essentially like, we should think about moving on. And I was like, I'm totally ready to move on. I just have one more resentment I want to work through. And it's my resentment towards myself. Ooh. And that's really um, what we started to unpack today. And it's not even so much that I like, I resent my current self, but I resent some of my past selves, particularly my like 21 to 27 year old self, who was just the mm. hottest of messes. <laughs> and funnily enough, I was a progressed Pisces son in, in those years. And I was just lost in myself and in the psychic soup and in society mm-hmm. and programming and what have you. And um, I just offer that up because I think we all resent ourselves to some degree. And I'm really grateful for the 12 steps just as a container for me to unpack and release these beliefs and thoughts and really just like energies and these patterns that are just no longer serving me. So I appreciate hearing that I'm inspiring. It's hard for me to like hold both of those things to be true that I like resent myself and also like I'm proud of myself at the same time. Yeah, I get that. But that's just being a human being. Yeah, girl. Well, I'm being present to the experience of being a human being. Yeah. Which not everybody always is. No, totally. It's work to be present to the experience. And also not to just keep saying Pisces season for everything. Cause I know that's a meme. You just like hashtag Pisces season after everything, but Pisces is two fish tied together, swimming in opposite directions. Like that's their symbol. So it is that duality. It's being able to like melt into that duality. And I think about Harriet the star. And when she channeled that incredible definition of magic, where she said, it's allowing yourself to stand in the middle of two extremes and allow yourself to dissolve. So like yeah. that's Pisces season. You stand in the middle of the fear and the faith and you let yourself dissolve. You stand in the middle of your shame and your pride and you let yourself dissolve. You stand in the middle of masculine and feminine and you let yourself dissolve. So I guess that's what I'm trying to do is dissolve. That's my check-in. Sorry. I ended my check-in twice. Good. I love it. I I sort of inspired you to have a second. Well, thank you. What about you, babes? What about you? Well... For me, since the Tucson Gem Show. Yes, what's happened since the Tucson Gem Show? (laughs) I mean, I loved the Tucson Gem Show. I had such a good time. Um, Shout outs to our friends Molly and Steph. For driving eight hours both directions. And for Steph's family who put us up. It was such a, just a phenomenal experience. We really enjoyed Tucson quite a bit. and um, Can't wait to come back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went with the intention to find a Labradorite ring which I've always really wanted, like a fat Labradorite ring. And I found one that uh, fit me like a glove and I have put a wish into it around my pilot script that I wrote that I want to get out into the world. And today I had my very first meeting as a writer with that script, which was really fucking cool. I mean, that ring is working hard. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, that was just like a really cool experience for me to be on that side of it. That's something I've wanted for a long, long time. And to just experience it felt pretty natural. And I am definitely feeling like there is some forward progression happening just as far as like my career self is concerned, all the work we've been doing with Spiritual Gaze. I'm really excited about it. And Uh, getting into the class and the workshops we'll be planning. And I just feel called to this work 
in kind of like an up-leveled way. So, and just all of my work. So that's really exciting. Something I'm really focusing on too is putting myself first. That was something you actually brought up to me earlier this week. They did? Yes. Oh. That just, I needed to, well, it came out in like the heat of one of our Venus and Aries moments that we've Ooh. been having. Girl. <laughs> Venus and Taurus can't come quick enough. Get it there, girl. Get into Taurus. <sighs> when two Venus and Aries live together in Venus and Aries season. Spicy, spicy ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> spicy, spicy ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, but it was really great because I think what you showed me was that I have to place myself first, my needs first. Sometimes I can get to a point where I just kind of complain about the world and there's so much for me to accomplish and do uh, before I can actually do things that I want to do. And, you know, you sort of reminded me that, well, sometimes what you want to do for yourself is more important than the other things that you feel need to get done. And I, yeah, was just really vibing that this week and just trying to carve out time and schedule time for myself to just sit and work on the things I wanted to work on. And that felt good. And moving forward, that's something I really want to do for myself is just make sure that I'm just carving out time every day to have solely be mine, whether I want it to be for creativity or spiritual work or watching a show only I want to watch or going to a movie or whatever it is that like I want to honor for myself that day that I'm actually making it a priority. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited for things to come. I'm excited for things to come for you too, babe. Thank you. I love sitting here on the sidelines in my cheerleader outfit. You look great. Thank you. (laughs) That color suits you. Thank you. (laughs) I thought this skirt might be too short, but I think it's just short enough. It's too short enough. How dare you? All right. Let's get out of this Pisces soup and actually just let's talk about the Pisces soup. Let's take ourselves for a cosmic So we recently had our very first webinar. It was gorgeous. Yeah, it was all shout about- outs to those of you that were there. And it was all about Pisces season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talked quite a bit about everything that's going on. Uh, but and then of course last episode was all about Mercury. And we did touch on the Mercury retrograde that we're all still transiting through. But we felt like since we're kind of smack dab in the center of this current one, we would talk just a little bit more about this Mercury retrograde and really like the Mercury retrograde in Pisces, though we only have, you know, another week or so of Pisces and we're going to dip back into Aquarius, y'all. So what do you think that transition is going to be like, Bran? I think it's going to be nice, actually, because if you've been lost in the psychic soup of Pisces, when Mercury regresses back into Aquarius, I think we're going to get the clarity, right? Like that's where we dropped something. I always think of Mercury retrograde, like the shadow phase starts where you dropped something that you need and then you go back and you pick it up. So I think once we get into Aquarius, right before Mercury goes direct, we're going to get some clarity around what it is, the bigger picture that we've really been moving through right now. I think we're kind of in the weeds. Um, I know I personally have experienced this Mercury retrograde in Pisces, like so many of my ghosts have been showing up. And I don't mean like people that are dead, although I've heard that from some people, but I mean like people from my deep, 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 dark past and not even like in a negative way, but like I was in an event on Tuesday and I was like, I'm not going to know anyone here. And then it was like all of these people from my twenties and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, like half a dozen people. And I was like, whoa, Mercury retrograde, here are my ghosts. And they showed up actually, I think to teach me something about how far I've come and uh, the spiritual lessons that I've really been learning because it's Pisces. So I wonder if any of that resonates for y'all. I think that's something that is really cool for everyone to pay attention to. And, you know, we're dipping back into Aquarius uh, just briefly, everybody. So really from like March 5th uh, through the 17th of March. So that's like aha moments, a 
abound. To me, that feels like you're going to get those big picture insights. And you also might get some new ideas for the same old problems. You're like, mm. oh, now I know how to fix this thing. Now I know how to overcome this obstacle. Yeah. So, and even think back because we initially, like Brandon said, you drop something. So we initially dropped something at these degrees of Aquarius in the first three days of this month of February. So look back at your calendar or, you know, or your journal or, you know, what did you experience the your first Insta stories, <laughs> your Insta stories? Yeah. Your Instagram posts, your tweets, like what were you experiencing in those first three days? Because they will on some level come to revisit you during that period of time and have some most likely some message of clarity, especially around the, you know, the Mercury direct point, which is on the 10th. Yeah. All right. What else do you want to cosmically update us on? I think just briefly, we jokingly referenced Venus and Aries. Yeah. Let's talk about it. But I think, you know, we're, you know, it's just a time when everyone's feeling a little more volatile impatient yeah there's a bit of an aggressive energy that can come with relationships what are you talking about okay really i'm talking i can't believe you're doing this on the air (sighs) okay that was a glimpse into our venus and (laughs) And then it's like wait i love you i'm sorry okay well that's what's going to happen when venus and taurus comes which will be um right around march 5th Uh. as well so by then all around the world venus will have moved into taurus her home sign so Every, all the relationship drama can kind of relax a little bit. A softer place Stabilize. to land. Yes, softer and stable. So just know that if you've been experiencing any turbulence. Relationship friction. <laughs> yeah. Don't take it personally. It's not you. It's not your partner. It's just Venus and Aries. Exactly. Just blame Venus and Aries. We are. <laughs> and she's been in the sky too. You've really been able to see her, which has been beautiful. Yeah, she's been beautiful and a pain in my ass. Oh, please. I'm kidding. Um, kind of. And of course, Gaga had to make her reemergence while Venus was traveling through there. I want your stupid love, 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 love. love. I like the song. It's a grower, but, you know, it also feels a little bit like... Like retreading? What a yeah. perfect what a perfect word for a Mercury retrograde totally. release. She's like, remember me, Remember guys? the sound that I make? Remember that... Born This Way? Yeah, this song is like that song. <laughs> but it's still fun. I bop around to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I listen to it on repeat for like 20 minutes when I clean the house. (laughs) So I'm throwing shade, but I'm also all here for it. But also glad glad that Gaga is still making her business. I just like Gaga, the like crazy, funky pop star, as opposed to Gaga, the like very serious actress. I was like very tired of that version of her. Yes. And, you know, I know not everyone agrees with me, but I like her better when she's a weirdo freak. So I'm glad that's back. Oh, same. Ditto. Um. All right. Well, that's just a little bit of a cosmic update for you all because now we have to get into our spirit talk. Yeah, but just a couple announcements. Oh, yes. You know, we've got uh, Tarot and Cosmos, which is going to be starting on March 24th. Uh, And I cannot uh, encourage you strongly enough to sign up for it if you've been thinking about it. We were chatting with uh, our business consultant, and she literally said that we were crazy people for what we priced it at. We don't know. So it will probably never be this cheap again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we don't know. So I highly encourage you to sign up now because, uh, you know, when we offer this again, at least six to nine months from now, it will probably be more expensive. And it's really an opportunity for you to connect with other like-minded seekers and people that want to be learning like you. And you're going to get to be in, on the ground floor of us all creating this class together. I mean, of course, you've seen the syllabus it's created, but we're going to get to bring it to life. So if you're curious, if you're passionate, pull that trigger, come and join us. If you have questions, of course, reach out to us. Um, Our webinar for the new moon in Aries is going to be happening right around that time. So we'll have more information about that on the website. There's a whole little page called webinar. So that'll go up there soon. Yep. And if you're here in Los Angeles or you live close by and you want to come to Los Angeles Saturday, March 21st, we're doing an Invisible Worlds workshop. So it's going to be a three-hour shamanic skills workshop. You don't have to know anything. We're going to teach you all you need to know. We're going to journey. We're going to pass power. We're going to get healed. It's going to be pretty magical, and I'm very excited to hold that space for everyone. 
And then there'll be a performance by Lady Gaga. <laughs> no, it's not happening. <laughs> no, but all of it's going to be really fun and exciting. And we're just excited to be expanding out into the community in a bigger way. Jupiter and Capricorn. Here we are. Expanding the structures. Yes. All right, babies. <laughs> Without further ado, please get your hearts and your third eyes and the pores of your skin. Ooh. The tips of your fingers. Yes. All of your artistic and emotional sensitivities. Mm, my follicles are tingling. Ready for this episode's Spirit, Spirit Talk. are very excited because we have the lovely Austin Young with us in the spirit room. Hey girl, hey. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Austin is an artist and someone who has been a friend for 15-ish years, something like that. I was trying to like draw it back entirely, but it's somewhere around there. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. Um, And also a fellow Aries. but if you could, just to start off, describe what artist means to you, how it expresses through you exactly. Well, I've, I've been doing portraits for, I don't know, 35 years or so of photo- photography. And I really have a lot of that has been friends and drag queens, trans people, performers. So, um, I would, I love, I love taking people's portraits and I, I love people. And, and then the other part of that is I do, um, a contemporary art project called Fallen Fruit and we plant fruit trees and we also do these really beautiful, immersive art installations. And have been featured around the world, eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're, it's pretty amazing. Um, right now we're, we're showing in a lot of places. Yeah, whereabouts exactly, just in case anyone is there. Right now we have work up in Tel Aviv and in uh, Palermo, Sicily. And upcoming shows are in Geneva and Linz and Melbourne and um, f- a few more places. That's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I definitely want us to talk more about Fallen Fruit a little later, but I'd love to just kick off by sort of taking it back to like Little Austin and, you know, how did art and I guess maybe more specifically just like creativity, how did creativity show up in Little Austin's life and plant the seeds for where you are now. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Reno, Nevada and, um, you know, I was expected to be a business businessman and <laughs> a football player and all those kind of things. And, uh, but I, I, I knew I was an artist and I always, uh, painted and, and made art. And really when I went to, um, college, I just luckily transferred into an art department there, but it's just some, being an artist is something that I always knew that I was supposed to, supposed to, supposed to do. Also, also I was a really big fan of pop culture. Uh So, you know, I loved, like John Waters and um, things like when I was in school or in high school, we would watch The Hunger obsessively mm-hmm. and and read, you know, Interview Magazine and buy records. So I, I knew that I wanted to be a part of that, whatever that was. Do you remember what the first like piece of art or pop culture was that you saw that like spoke to you directly was there something even like when you were younger that you went oh yeah I don't know I mean there was probably well I was obsessed with Cher 
Oh yeah. my gosh, you know, she has a Capricorn moon like you and I do. That's awesome. Oh my God, y'all shot a club. The Cher Capricorn Moon Club. <laughs> I'm, I'm also obsessed with Cher. You are? Yeah. Well, I, 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 was, God, I was so lucky because uh, I lived in, you know, Reno, Nevada, and my dad was friends with the Harris. They actually oh, went to wow. school with the kids. So they would have, when somebody would come, I, I'd be like, Dad, you know, can, can we go see Cher? Or uh, she played, Sonny and Cher played, and then she played. And then uh, Olivia Newton John when, when she first uh. was touring. And so, I, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that just, even though I was pr- from, you know, a small town ish, I still felt like I got to do, do these things which inspired me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many times did you see Cher? Twice. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Have you seen and her? And the as Carpenters, too. I saw the oh, Carpenters. Wow. Oh, wow. This is like in the sem- early 70s. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Cher as an adult now? Or Yeah, yeah. I saw her uh, in Vegas. I cried <laughs> as soon as she came out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until the moment she disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think Angel has a video of me crying when oh, shares yeah. when shares on stage. Yeah, we went to the Vegas show. Yeah. But it was really the show in San Diego where she like floated oh, above yeah. the audience and like I reached out towards her and I think there were just like like one solitary tear just like streaking <laughs> down my face. Yeah. It's like being in the presence of a goddess. It really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. So what was it about those like or those early people that like spoke to you, you think? I I was uh Reno was kind of more of a cow town in the in the early 70s. And so was my family. I'm <clears throat> half are farmers. So it was it was just, you know, I think I was just born gay and and is it is there like a pop culture gene that we're born with i I have no idea (laughs) totally (laughs) most of us yes yeah um but you know it's not an easy thing to to wasn't an easy thing for me to to decide to be an artist and or and to follow it and so i also in a way knew the weight of my decision and yeah, it was, it's took, I don't know, you know, it took like many years of just sort of, uh, hanging in there and I, well, I had, by the time I went, was going to art school, I, I had a mentor who told me, you know, if this is really what you want to do, then you have to, you have to accept that, you know, it could be 10, 20 years before before anything takes off for you. So like, how bad do you want to do this or how much do you want to do it? So I, I realized at the time that there, I didn't have, I could see that that was true. And I also thought I have no other, no other decision to make about it. And curious was because you said I, you know, grew up expected to be a businessman and football player was some of the acceptance of being an artist tied up in your sexuality as well? Definitely, yeah. My parents weren't going to support me really financially to be an artist. So, I'll, so, and yeah, I mean, I think it was being an expression of, being an artist was an expression of who I am, and so is my sexuality. So um, I guess... Maybe that's a Capricorn Moon thing where my work is is me. You know, I felt like my work is me, so I had to to express myself, and to and and that in, that included changing my name. You know, I wasn't born Austin Young. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I so I actually kind of I I had a dream once when 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 I was about eighteen. Okay, so I I was started keeping a dream journal, and so so I was trying to you know just get more more in touch with my dreams, and and then one night I had this really intense dream um, that I was in like a cave, and this 
pan like person came up to me except to it, and it was kind of a more androgynous pan um not the a muscular male pan and she um she said um she, well she pulled out a, a piece of paper uh, like a tiny little piece of paper and then she wrote um she wrote something on it and then she rolled it up really small and she handed it to me and she said this is your new name and so I took it and then I got, I, I read it, I opened it and it said Austin Young and like I woke up like really, it's just like this really intense thing. So I wrote it down in my journal and I just thought at the time, like, it sounds like, um, like a porn star. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> Yo, is that where we're headed? Yeah. <laughs> So it, it took a while to get used to it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but I had wanted to, I felt like, okay, so I, I wasn't, it wasn't really easy to, to grow up in, for me in Reno, Nevada. Um, I was like the, in, in junior high, you know, everyone like turned on me and, uh, the kids would line up every day, like the, the group of guys and, like at a certain periods and they would yell like fag and stuff as I walked by. And so it was, it was pretty intense, but I, I felt like that they, that they wore my self-confidence and my, um, they, they kind of wore me down a, a bit, you know, like you could imagine. So I really worked hard to try to try to build that up in myself or at least, you know, being able to accept myself. So the changing my name, to me felt like a symbol of, of changing of like an interchange, you know, like the, I could see, I could create this interchange and this changing my name would help kind of manifest this. And interesting. You said it was like around 18. That's when I got the dream. Yeah. Which is like an initiation between like being a child and being a man. Like it, in a lot of, it's just interesting to me to think like, oh, that was like an initiation dream, you know? I mean, I believe uh, from a shamanic point of view that like dreams are given to us by the spirits. And so clearly like that pan was trying to initiate you. This is one way of looking at it into like your adulthood as an artist and saying like, this is the name you have as an adult now. And like we essentially give an honorable death to your child self yeah. So that you can be the adult. I mean, it's pretty, it's a wild and incredible story. Thank well, I you. would say like, sadly enough, or, or, or not, but it took me until I was 30 to really like adopt that name. Cause it was, it was like a radical thought for me. Sure. Of course. You know, so yeah. it took me another like 12 years before I. That I, still puts you ahead of the curve, girl. But it was interesting <laughs> though. I'm telling you, I was, it was the weirdest thing because once I did it and I had seen once I did it, it just felt so natural, you know, like, um, it just kind of flowed really, really easily. Well, and there's something, I believe it was in Tori Amos's book where she talked about like, cause she changed her name and talking about like the soul of a name mm-hmm. and how, you know, a, that her, the soul of her old name, like could only go so far, you know, it was only it only wanted to support a life so big Mm. and, but she was connected to some other spirit that she felt was calling her to a bigger life. So she had to find a name. And I want to say, I don't know if it was her actually, but someone else, cause I went through this whole period where I was like, maybe I need to change my name or I need to like adjust it because there's also like a numerological component to names as well sometimes. And like your names add up to a number and, yeah. Some are more in tune with the work you want to be doing here as opposed to others. And I think it was her who like also found a way to like find a name that kind of, you know, just felt more like vibrational to the work that she was meant to be doing. So on some level, I'm sure this name, I mean, obviously it would have been a great porn name, but <laughs> it's a, a great name that on some level wanted to like draw you toward the vibration of the life that you were meant to be living. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was named after my dad and Mm. I felt like, you know, I really needed to move completely away from my family's expectations to be, uh, to be more free as an artist and human. And I'm curious, was there a real shift in your creativity or at least just in how you approached it from like, 
the you who existed from 18 to 30 to after th- from 30 and beyond till now yeah there definitely was yeah, yeah. well because i so i had um i i i had started doing portraits you know by the time i was 18 or so i just started creating these portraits and and then meeting people who were who who i was really interest interested in and attracted to a, a, a lot of drag queens and different kinds of people and and so i i was working on this but i was also really struggling to survive and so and where were you i well i was in new york okay um and i was um you know it's kind of a part of the club scene there was a, a certain point where i was just kind of maybe drinking too much and being too crazy so I moved to San Francisco to kind of relax or to take things a bit easier for a while and then I would go go back and forth from New York I started working for Michael Alleg and um doing like club flyers and things like this also so do you remember the moment that you definitively decided I'm Austin Young like what a weird thing to decide right (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, do I remember? I remember where I was, and I was living in Mill Valley, at, you know, north of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking, I was so isolated there, and I really needed to to make my art happen, and so I, so I'm made this I thought I'm going to move to Los Angeles I'm going to change my name get that all sorted out and then move to LA as Austin Young (laughs) (laughs) cue opening credits music yeah (laughs) well you know what's so interesting is your moon your Capricorn moon is 29 degrees oh yeah and we will sometimes look to the degree of the planet to get a sense of what age was this really being expressed fully. So 29 is pretty close to 30 as far as I'm concerned. And if we think about a Capricorn moon really like taking responsibility for your heart and taking responsibility for like the ambition of your heart, because I think Capricorn moons, you know, share, uh, you know, as an example, it's an ambitious heart. And there you are in that year saying like, okay, like this is how I take responsibility for myself. And it was by giving yourself a new name, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing sense. I'm curious though is, did that pan figure ever visit you again? No. Mm. Interesting. No, but I have a really vivid, vivid image of of that that figure. But also, you know, I don't even think I fully and un- begin to understand it till even more recently because mm-hmm. I've been st- studying a lot more of Greek mythology and kind of obsessing over um old greek statues and things and thinking about pan and and also dionysus and and um thinking like how amazing is it that it was a androgynous pan and uh, and then then understanding that not all pans are super masculine mm-hmm. there's also there's also female pans and so i didn't even know that um so just to kind of have I'm now uh, where I'm at now. I'm thinking, wow, that's that's pretty awesome, you know, that I was visited by that person, and I love it. Yeah, the perfect spirit at the perfect time. Yeah, yeah, it'd be almost interesting to engage a relationship. That would that. be that would be so cool. Yeah, I I get that. Right. I get that. Oh yeah, I like want to teach you how to journey. Yeah, I was so gonna can, say. I was looking at Brandon because I'm like, how would he? Yeah, know how to do so that? you can journey to Pan whenever you want and be like, okay, what's next? You know, what else? What more information do you have for me? Because Pan really is like, I mean, such a well, it's like a, it's a carnal ex- energy, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so it's a it's definitely there's no constraints on on Pan, you know, and there, um. I think that that's something, definitely something I would want more in my, in my life. We all, we all should have it. Yeah. I mean, I just think like the lack of 
boundaries? Like it's such a fluid energy, right? Like, is it human? Is it, uh, you know, primal, animalistic? Is it masculine? Is it feminine? Like it's, it's all of these things. Yeah. And that's so much what you bring to your, to your art as well. Yeah. Is this blurring of boundaries? Well, it's also something I felt personally, like when I was younger, I I always felt very androgynous. Mm. And it wasn't until I was probably 30 that I started to, maybe 28 or something, that I started to feel like, you know what, I think I'm becoming more masculine. And I, and I, because I was, I, I was definitely prettier and younger. <laughs> which i'm not anymore <laughs> amazing but um but yeah but then but then it was it was so it was late that i you know at a certain point i was like you know no i'm actually expressing masculine ener- energy now it felt like a shift mm. but, I'm, but that must be really common um for for boys growing up i don't know it was yeah con- i've heard my therapist talk about the fact that like heterosexual men start in divine masculine and move towards divine feminine and that gay men and women in a lot of ways too start in divine feminine and move grow towards divine masculine so it's not unusual and this is you know depth psychology so it's just one perspective but as we all get older we start to find our own authentic experience with divine masculine because generally for a lot of us like growing up like father was unavailable or stranger or not safe and so we we understood divine feminine a lot more readily and felt more secure there and then as we grow into our own masculinity we understand how it wants to be expressed mm, yeah. makes sense i mean i wore heels all the time when i was a kid <laughs> but i haven't now who did i haven't really in my adulthood but wow. i wore i mean you have but yeah, all the time. My mom would be like, "All right, daddy's home. Take him take the heels off." <laughs> I would actually I would actually sneak into my mom's closet and wear them. Yeah, but not when she was home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think yeah, I don't know when I shifted out of it. I think there was I, I did that and then at one point I just kind of started doing it as long as dad wasn't home. Like it entertained the ladies in the house. But I grew up in a house that was more women than men, so it was yeah, they kind of got a kick out of it, I think. So that's interesting. Yeah. I definitely feel like I was much more in touch with my feminine younger than I am. I guess I'm in touch with it now, but in a different way. Yeah. And I'd be curious to like our lesbian listeners, like what is your experience? Like, do you feel like you started in divine masculine and you're growing towards divine feminine as you get older? I'd just be curious or if it's the opposite, you know? Yeah. And then then it's incredible to see... To see um, people shift sexes. Oh, sure. You know, it's like, how awesome is that? You know, like a, like somebody like Buck Angel, who, who, you know, was a model and mm-hmm. a beautiful woman, and then is then be, be shifts and gets to experience life as a very masculine male. Totally. You know, it's like what what a cool thing to have multiple <laughs> lives in one life. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, and incredibly like courageous. Yeah. To just yeah. One, I'd also be interested too to understand how that is expressed in a like a non-binary individual. For sure. Because I think at the end of the day, we really are just like a unique combination of these like polarizing energies and it's not one or the other, but I definitely, like for me personally, I definitely feel like, yeah, I am only now starting to encounter my own masculinity and I'm 35, you know? And actually, in a lot of ways, it took my courage to do drag and embrace my femininity that taught me masculinity in a really kind of like inside out sort of way. Like I had to become the mother to raise the child to be a man. Oh, wow. Damn, girl. For what yeah. it's worth, <laughs> <laughs> totally. I think, but I, I'm, I know that that's been uh, for me. I've, I've always been very attracted to exploring gender in my work, you know, and and I think it's it probably started off as yes, I felt that in myself, but also it was discovering people like John Waters and Divine. I mean, the the whole, there was an 
a sort of an anger and a glamour and a subversiveness in in and the way that you, the way that you can critique society and um this interesting way by by um by using drag as an as an art form yeah because i definitely first i think met you through your portrait work or at least when i first met you you that was the the main medium that you were working in was photography and i felt like what was so exciting about it was that you really played with gender with sexuality in a carefree sort of way and it seemed like you were able to or have been able to really make your subjects feel comfortable in a way that they feel they can express gender and sexuality however they feel has that so has that just always been a part of your photography work yeah i I mean you know i mean i think there's i think i love the idea of I love portrait artists and I think it's, you know, a classic, you know, form of art. And so I, I look at, I think I look at what I do, try, I try to look at it in that big picture sort of way where, I mean, first off, yeah, you've got to make people feel comfortable. And when I'm taking their photo, I want to make somebody feel I want to, well, I want to be myself comfortable and be really present and make somebody, give somebody the space also to be really present, you know, so that, so that we can explore the nuances of who they are, um, and, and capture that. Um, I think that's, that's basically what I do at its core, but then, but then I, I will, meditate over all the photos I took, you know, and choose the one or two that is the right one. And I think that's a big part of it as well, because I definitely know what I'm trying to say with my work. And then, uh, then, you know, I'll airbrush for maybe three or four days, uh, an image, keep coming back to it. So by with a computer so that whole process for me is is really um is meditation and i'm meditating on the the person and i'm meditating on the on the image and what it's what it's saying i feel like when when an image starts to speak speak with me when i'm when i'm feeling like you know, it's like I always know when when it's done. It's just like okay, this is this is now a finished portrait. They, I mean, you know, like they don't always turn out at, to turn out like the mass like the perfect thing, and then sometimes they do, and then and then it's just awesome. Um, but I f- I love it when I love it when people feel something um, when they see my work. You know, and can and feel that the feel that they're get receiving that communication. Do you feel like when you take a portrait and it becomes art, right? You've captured the essence of somebody, and you've also kind of merged what you want to say with your art with the essence of who they are that then it becomes almost larger than them? Like you've almost made them into an archetype of some kind or it... Yeah, well, that's really what I'm... That's really what I'm doing. That's my whole goal. I mean, I want to make... To me, I think about how much I love... Like I love um, Greek gods and depictions of gods and and classic, you know, from, from every, um, from every uh, millennium or... Uh, I love uh, 18th century, 17th, 16th. I, I I just love seeing the way people depict portraits or or um, Jesus Christ or or Mary or or um, angels. You know, it's just like um, I think that that then translates into like since you know the 19 turn of the turn of the, the last century into celebrity and the depiction of celebrity and, and we can let go of, 
in a sense, you know, the church and other gods declines and, and we adopt these new kind of gods, you know? So yeah, they're like, you know, it's like you're creating a modern, modern archetypes, but it's, but then I think it's just something more than that too, because I think that our spirits are eternal. Right. And, and so, so I'm trying to see that side of somebody also. Um, I'm really trying to reconnect with, with what I'm doing. As far as photography is concerned? Yeah. yeah. And really like, you know, like could reform, reformulate like a belief in, in why I'm doing this, you know, and I don't know what that'll look like. Yeah. But if I were to just ask you, why are you taking photographs of people? Uh-huh. What would you say? Well, I love people. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I love people. And I think it's, I think... I mean, come on. I mean, our reality is about connecting with people and, and it's a great way to connect with people, you know, and a very intimate thing to, to, to do somebody's portrait. And at the end of, at the end, you know, it's like, if you, if you can make the more connections you can make with people, like the richer your life is. So, I mean, um, that's why. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. Cause you're right. It is a, it's very intimate. I've only had my like portrait or like a, that, like in that kind of setting taken like a few times. And it's, it's, it's challenging to like be on the other side of it mm. because yeah, you have to make yourself so vulnerable and you're completely out of control as the subject, <laughs> you know, at least as far as where it's headed, I think. And maybe that's, partially been my issue in the past is that I feel out of control as opposed to being empowered in the moment. So that's my own situation. Yeah. But, I totally relate to that. But yeah, it's such a vulnerable thing. So I think it's beautiful to go into it from a place of, I love you and want to connect with you. Cause that already is going to make the work stronger. Yes. I usually don't talk so much. <laughs> well, it's good. You're having an interview. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to. <laughs> I'd love to just like have a conversation around the intersection between spirituality and drag and gender. And when looking at your work, there's some of your work that is just like so aesthetically beautiful and pleasing. And then there's other parts of your work that are like almost grotesque and subversive and, and very confronting and there's a beauty to all of it but there's something about inverting expectations and the fluidity of gender and the way that you explore all of that in your work and I'm wondering like what is the spiritual or energetic thing that we're touching at that we're exploring when we when we do that sort of work I know that's not really a question it's really just like stirring stirring up the the pond of that but do you know what i'm talking about like for myself you know like i think i was really um disillusioned with the ideas of beauty and and also conforming to society and i so drag was definitely a way to for me to especially before it was popular um to to uh you know that looking at treating ugliness as beauty uh, was also to me really important, you know, because we should not be told, uh, we should not be told who we are at all or how we're supposed to look or what, what, what is beauty to us or how we're supposed to represent ourselves, you know? So that, that, that is why I explored, explored that kind of work. And also, you know, gender should be confusing. We should we should be confusing. That's the ultimate to me. That would be the ultimate expression of ourselves. Um, you know, we like it's we are definitely not free to to express ourselves as we were born. Yeah, we're very much told to pick a conveyor belt and yeah. get on it and get and they do it well. Right. You know. Especially like, in this like social media culture and like the sort of Instagram culture, it's very much like be the like 
best expression of feminine or or you know or uber masculine you know like yeah. peak performance get followers you know like you know or it's even very just interesting like lockdown because there's also i think a lot of people that do kind of lock down their fluidity like yeah. they, their image is neither masculine nor feminine but then they're kind of like stuck in that box too and it's right. like well i love what you say about like our gender should be confusing like we should be confusing to ourselves because we are this like really interesting and never to be repeated combination of things yeah but we're we're not given permission to like be confused like we're supposed to lock it down immediately and then just be like well i hope i chose right <laughs> well right. I, you know i was i just for a while i was just thinking that would be my f that's that's what I, I just want people to look at something and be confused mm. you know i don't want you to get it <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah you might that, that's all just like you might get that there there's like I, you might feel it, but I don't want you to understand it because we shouldn't understand everything. You know, it's sure. like, I mean, that's, that leaves openings and we don't, people aren't so comfortable with that. I love that. That's very Pisces of you. We shouldn't understand everything. Like all your <laughs> Pisces planets. Um, totally. And blurring boundaries, you know, that's very Pisces as well. Yeah. Have you done drag yourself? I have. Yeah. And what was the experience of making yourself the subject in that, in those situations, as opposed to being somebody that was kind of telling the story of it? Well, I'm, yeah, it was okay. You know, I'm super shy. I'm not such a performer. So, especially when I was younger. So, yeah, no, I was not destined to be a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> Please. You have great legs, Austin. Thank you. You can do it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm really excited that you're reigniting that exploration of your photography work, your portrait work, or at least like coming to it in a new way. Because I, I think your your work is so cool and so beautiful and so interesting. And I just think you capture subjects in a way that I've never seen. Um, so I'm excited that there's more of that still on the horizon for you. Um, because we should talk about, I mean, because you have this whole other avenue, so Fallen Fruit. So I just love for you to touch on it since you are so actively engaged in Fallen Fruit. Well, it's something that has transformed a lot, you know, through over time because we started it in 2004 and um, we started, there were three of us and to, uh, in, in an art collective and we started mapping fruit in public spaces. And it was an interesting it was done as a, as a contemporary artwork. And then we put these, um, maps online and, and it got a lot of attention at the time because it was, you know, before like the green movement or before urban farming. Right. And so, so not only were we talking about urban farming, but really what, what can we use our public spaces for? Like who, who owns them and can we use them as a place to share resources? And so, um, they, it, it's kind of like, um, and it's, it's a project that has transformed a lot. And we start, we, we start planting fruit and then, you know, we've always done exhibitions. Then in 2010, we did a big exhibition at LACMA and it was, it was epic, awesome thing. Um, and, so so now there's two of us and we um we kind of a couple of years ago we just got more into the idea of transforming uh spaces to become like places that would just uh, what you walk you could walk into and that would change your perspective and it'd be uh, like a just maybe create an experience of the sublime or beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Like energy shifting yeah. spaces. Yeah. And so that's, that's just been, so we, we did this piece in Palermo, Sicily, like maybe two years ago. And then that it was, it was so cool to do it because when we installed it, it was like, it was like, Oh my God, this is like the, the coolest thing I've ever done. You know, it's just, you just, it was just there. And it was like a, it was in an old palace and it had these, um, this 15th century ceiling painting on it. And then um, we created a piece that went around the walls 
um, that also shifted colors in in uh, faded into all colors. Um, and so wherever you look, it's a different experience. And um, but it was became the most photographed thing in Sicily that year. So so people really felt it. You know, it was like that was a really exciting thing to be able to make art that people were like, oh my god, they're they they had to photograph it. They had to be in it. You know, and and so that has sort of that that then in turn has led to other big works being done in the same vein. So I'm, I'm like so excited about it. It feels like, it feels, um, like I'm doing exactly the right thing. Yeah. And for someone who loves people like you do, it's like a whole nother evolution of that. Whereas portraiture is very much one-on-one. Yeah. And then the cool thing about it is, is we see these spaces as it's like, the people are the people in the space are part of the artwork, you know. So we're creating a social space um, to where where people will want to hang out. So we actually we started making furniture also that goes goes with the work and that that people can sit in inside the space spaces. Yeah, that's I do that with David Burns, who you who you know, yeah. and um, we have piece like we have a piece up in Tel Aviv right now and upcoming in Geneva and Linz and Melbourne and St. Louis. Um, That's cool. And how do people find out about what's the best way for people to? Well, Instagram, maybe. Fallen underscore fruit. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming into the spirit room and just having this beautiful conversation with us. There were just so many beautiful insights. Um, yeah, and for sharing so much of yeah, you. Yeah, your vulnerability <laughs> and sharing things. Oh, my God. <laughs> your dreams and your process. Uh, it's, we really appreciate your it. Your Pisces Mercury really showed up. Yeah. I'll wow. Thank, thank God. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I'm so excited because I've been listening to your podcast, and I, I love it. It's been so meaningful to me. So to be on your podcast is like, awesome oh my goodness well thank you yeah you know it's such a crazy thing we do it just like literally you see now just like here in this room like we have no idea like (laughs) what happens once we put it out there you know so yeah to hear that feedback is really is meaningful and also difficult to fully absorb i think totally Because it feels like, you know, like when I was a kid, I would have like a little boom box and I would like pretend to like record radio shows, you know, and no one would ever hear them. And that still kind of feels like what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, well, that's good, though. That's good. So then, you know, we're going to finish this by having you pull a tarot card. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, girl. (laughs) So we'll just take a moment and everybody just go ahead wherever you are in space and time. Just take a moment and return to yourself. And just let the sound of the cards being shuffled help you on that journey of returning. And if you have a question or you're needing guidance about something, just hold that question in your heart and trust that the card Austin will pick is the perfect card to bring clarity and healing and power to whatever it is that you're wanting some help with. Okay, I'm going to go spread them out for him. All right. Well, Austin pulled the Ten of Cups for everybody, so thank you for bringing some really sweet medicine to everybody. I always say, like, you know, all of the cards are medicine. They're all good, but some of the medicine tastes like echinacea, and some of the medicine is like gummy vitamins. And the Ten of Cups (laughs) is definitely gummy vitamins. It's medicine that tastes really good, you know. Um, Cups are the realm of the heart it's emotion and intuition and so the ten of cups is really like the fullest heart possible i think of the ten of cups as like the best dinner party you've ever been to it's like ample food ample wine but also like even more than that it's like the ample connection it's like my heart pulls it pours into your heart your heart pours into my heart there's this great parable i think of in the ten of cups where oh somebody like goes to hell 
and they see a bunch of people around a table and they've all got this like food, but their spoons are like too long to feed themselves. And then that same person like goes to heaven and sees that like it's the same situation, but everyone's using those spoons to feed each other across the table. And to me, that feels like the Ten of Cups. And that's so much about what you're talking about in the spaces you create too with with fallen fruit, but it's like your community is your medicine. And the more you can show up in your vulnerability and your authenticity, the more other people are empowered and it's this exchange. So the 10 of cups is really, I mean, when you look at the card, it's like happy family, like in the sun, like everybody's smiling and joyful. And those 10 cups are almost like a completion. It's the tens to me are like a bridge because it's in some ways, the end or the beginning of the numbers, and then we're moving to the court cards. So the 10 is like a bridge from the lessons into the embodiment. So now it's time for everyone, through your experience with your community, to recognize like you've learned some lessons about your heart, and it's time to stop learning and time to start teaching through your embodiment of your vulnerability, of your heart, of your love. I mean, 10 of Cups is really just like love for life, love for community, love for each other. And I think that if we can really think about the Ten of Cups as like the family of humanity or the family of your city or your chosen family and not just your friends, but like where you are, there is connection and healing and medicine for you, but you have to find it through your heart. That's really a Ten of Cups. So find it, everybody, and kind of flow into it. All right. Well, as always, thank you, everyone, for listening. We're so grateful to all of you. And... um a very special thank you to Austin for being here. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're so grateful for all of our gazers and we definitely want to be interacting with you. Uh, so please feel free to continue uh, reaching out to us. Uh, you always can find us on Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze, Twitter at Spiritual Gaze. You can find us through our gorgeous website, thespiritualgaze.com. Uh, again, we have our monthly webinars. So Aries season will be coming up very soon so you'll be able to find registration info for that and if you haven't had a chance to leave us a review or rate us five stars even if that's not something you usually do it helps us so much so if the podcast does mean something to you it would mean something to us if you would just take 30 seconds and just click those five stars or just write a little sentence review like i love this show and that it means a lot it really helps us grow the platform so thank you for that totally thank you all so until next time gazers this has been your transit through the spiritual gaze is <laughs>